Hi everyone, welcome to She For Hair, the podcast, and I'm your host, Tethalo Makwati. On this podcast, we aim to inspire through conversations with different women on their career journeys and how they've owned their success. Thank you for tuning in. Let's dive in. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of She For Hair, the podcast, after such a very long time. I know, I know. It's been more than a year, but the story of where I've been is one for another day. Um, today, I'm so excited to finally be back, and I'm very excited about our guest in studio today. Today, I'm joined by Saone Bedi, a.k.a. Sparkle, a.k.a. Corporate Betty, for those who know her from Instagram. Saone Bedi is a corporate lawyer in the development finance industry. She graduated with a Bachelor of Laws from the University of Botswana in 2014. She has a postgraduate certificate in Enterprise Risk Management from BAC. She has an MSc in Finance and Financial Law through the University of London. And she recently completed a management development program through the University of Stellenbosch. She's an in-house attorney with experience in banking, corporate finance, development finance, and corporate and commercial and transactional law. She's also the founder of the Corporate Millennial, a platform created for young professionals to learn about the corporate world. Wow, what a bio. All right. Hi, Zahone. Welcome Hi. to the studio. <laughs> it's always weird listening to your bio being said out loud. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you so much. And how are you? How's the new year treating you? I'm well. Uh, the new year's been very nice. I only got back to work on Friday, this past Friday, the 13th. So I've literally just been resting for the whole of the new year so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's looking like it's going to be a good year yeah and and you started the year with a bang all those cape town girl <laughs> i needed it i needed a break okay anyway so we're going to start right from the start okay. your childhood your upbringing all the major events which led to this very moment in life okay. can you please tell us about that all right uh most people don't believe me when i say this but i grew up as a tomboy I grew up in Gads. I think I started my preschool, primary and high school in Khabroni, Botswana. And literally that's what shaped the person that I am. I lived with my mom and most of our extended family in block nine. I think I lived in block nine for a very long time till varsity until I got married. Um, but my childhood uh, defined me as who I am because of the lessons that I learned from my mom. Um, watching her raise us and take care of us and just do everything that she could to make sure that we had the best quality life. And then to this moment, I've always known I'd be this type of person or I'd be this outspoken female leader in my own right because of growing up with just boys in my family. I had about 10, 15 cousin boys that I always used to hang out with. Mm. And I always emerged as the leader in everything that we did then. So... That's literally the gist of who I've always been. Uh, My mom was very pro-education, pro letting us making our own decisions at a very young age. She always used to ask me what I wanted to be, and it was often always a lawyer. Um, Sometimes it would change, but most of the time it was always lawyer, and she made sure to support that and encourage me and nurture me in that journey. So 
that's been my journey so far all right so when did you actually decide that i'm actually gonna go through with the like it you said it always changed but how when did you know that you know what i'm going to go with the 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 lawyer career path when i was picking my subjects in form four it was very clear then that um i'm good at grasping a lot of information I can read chunks of information and be able to remember it well. So I was acing my history, my literature, my English. So when I was picking my subjects, I was very intentional about that to say, okay, I don't need physics. I don't need um, this subject or that subject. I just need to get as many points as I can to make sure that I can get into the law degree. So I knew for sure when I was doing from four that I am going to UB and I'm going to study law. Okay, <laughs> that's nice. So what about so I I think that different if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think that different paths that um law students can take after graduation, right? Yes. There are some who get into law firms and just end up opening their own practices. Yeah. And then that those who usually join, I think like you, yeah. you join um say corporate uh with Indeed. via graduate programs and then you just take it from there. Yeah. Did you fall into it or did you decide, did you know that this is the route that you wanted to take? I chose it and it also chose me, I think. Okay. I think in high school even though I was very good at history, literature, and like more reading subjects, I did fall in love with accounting and business studies. And I did very well in them, but I had to put so much work to ace them compared to the other um, areas of study. So I always knew that I'd want to merge law with finance or end up back in the world of corporate. So even when I was studying in university, I passed the law subjects that were linked to business more than the other industry-specific um, law courses. So because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't making a decision based on like what I've seen or what I think is what I want, I decided to look for a job early on in my studies. So I was interning in a normal law firm where you don't really pick and choose what you do, mm-hmm. where they do family law, criminal law, some bit of corporate law, um, literally a typical law firm. And every day when I do the work, it would take so much out of me and I didn't enjoy it. And I was like, okay, I know for a fact, I don't want to practice. And obviously when you finish school, you don't always land a job in the area that you want. Mm -hmm. So I did work in the firm even after I graduated for like a year, did the whole court process thing. Mm -hmm. And each and every day, it defined the fact that I do not want to be here. I think even my bosses knew that I I really didn't enjoy what I was doing, but I still gave it my all. I still learned a lot from doing it. And it's also shaped the kind of corporate lawyer I am today because you still need to understand what's being done in practice. So I went through the fire to know exactly that what I'm thinking is exactly what I want. So how did you get into then, how did you eventually get into corporate? Okay. Um, so I got into corporate through what I did at the law firm, funny enough. So we had clients, uh, bank clients, and we would do a lot of that debt collection work. And I managed a particular bank. Well, I managed Barclays and other banks, Barclays, which is now APSA. And what happened was I did so well in how I managed that portfolio in going to court and collecting their debts for them. And they eventually once told me that they're looking to hire someone in that department, 
will help them with their other law firms that are doing this work for them. Mm -hmm. I'd been applying for other corporate jobs that I thought fit my role or fit what I wanted, but I just didn't get them because I wasn't qualified or I didn't have the proper banking experience. So I ended up working as a legal liaison in the collections department in a bank. Oh, okay. So that's how I was like, if I just get my foot through the door, yeah. I can wiggle my way yeah. up to where I need to go. And so that's how I ended up starting work in corporate. It wasn't a typical legal job, but it was, it had a bit of my legal knowledge. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. So um, what does a corporate lawyer do? I think a lot of people I know, I know there was a time I wanted to be a lawyer, but I just thought, I, I don't know if it was, I think it was lack of information because I finished my high school in 2010. But I, people were always, especially my mom was always telling me that I talk too much, I need to study law in, in, in. But when I, when, <laughs> when it came to picking my, the, the courses I wanted to do, yeah. I just didn't pick law. I just didn't pick law because I just thought, I, I in my mind mm. I had criminal law in mind. Yeah. I just thought, okay, I don't wanna do that. Yeah. I didn't know that only there were corporate lawyers. So maybe just shed some light into what um, corporate lawyers really do. Yeah. What but what does it entail? Okay. Yeah. So corporate lawyers are mostly uh well, what we do most of the time is related to business and transactions that happen around uh your your market. So let's say for example, if somebody wants to buy shares in a company or wants to get funding for a company, we're responsible for all the legal aspects of that deal. If you want a loan from an institution and um the terms of the loan need to be defined and you want to get somebody to look at them for you to make sure that they are suitable for your business. You go to a corporate lawyer to review those sort of terms for you. Um, when you are a funder and someone has come to you asking for money, we also do what's called legal due diligences where we check if this person is good for the money legally. Mm -hmm. Do they own what they say they own? Are there any legal issues that they are um, battling? Are they proper contracts in place? Are they not doing anything that's outside of the law do they have all the licenses that they need do they have um proper employment contracts with their people are they not breaking the law basically mm -hmm. so a corporate lawyer will be responsible for making sure that all corporate deals contract deals financial deals that are being done different forms of transactions that they're properly documented and that if the documents need any changing need any reviewing um, they make sure the documents are signed off properly and should anything go wrong or if clauses need to be interpreted, mm -hmm. they interpret them for you. So we're basically, we deal with papers more than we deal with people. Okay. Um, maybe I'll meet people a couple of times to hear what it is that they want to do. Um, then I go and work on the papers in the background. Mm -hmm. We're like magicians in the background that make sure that the transaction is as it's been agreed mm -hmm. and that nobody gets away with um, maybe not paying back what they're supposed to pay and if they don't pay back money that they're supposed to pay we help with making sure that the next attorney that's taking it to court is able to understand what the terms were mm -hmm. so the long and short is everything that you see in terms of businesses um, purchasing stuff purchasing other companies mergers um, acquisitions bond um, 
bond registrations and make sure that those are done right um listing bonds on the bse so most lawyers um after llb they des- they decide to do an llm yeah. and you didn't do llm instead you did an msc in finance yeah. and financial law why not llm okay I think or take, why this yes. this particular mistake. I think if you remember what I said earlier about how I actually fell in love with accounting and business studies in high school, yeah. I'd always promised myself that I'd find a way to get back into finance oh. or into accounting okay. because I really do enjoy um, financial lingo and just the way finance and accounting works. So I did think of doing an LLM, but every time I'd look at a course description, it would just feel like I'm repeating the same thing that I've already learned. Mm-hmm. I actually was admitted at UB for an LLM. And just when I was about to pay, I remembered that I told myself that I would not <laughs> go back there for an LLM. I would do something else. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, I then started looking for specific courses that I really wanted. And everything was so expensive. But eventually I found this particular master's that had the exact uh, combination of finance and law that I needed because I don't want to sit in a room where people are discussing the financial implications of a deal that I have to draft contracts for and I have no idea what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to give legal advice that is commercially acute, like you know exactly that, okay, if these people do this this way, this is the impact it will have on the profits at the end of the day because regardless of what your role is, it has to... to contribute to the bottom line so mm-hmm. that's why i wanted to have an understanding of finance still backed up with law so that when i give my advice people know that i'm not just speaking from a legal perspective because in corporate people think fine legal mm-hmm. is always trying to stop deals from happening mm-hmm. so if you come with that understanding of okay i know this is what you want to achieve and this is how this thing works legally this is how you can make it happen or there is actually no legal um way to get this done so maybe try one, two, three, four, five to help you with the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So that's why. So was it online or you had to go there occasionally for classes and stuff? Oh, it was virtual. So what they do is you have an option. You can do it physically okay. one year mm-hmm. or two years online. Oh, Because I didn't want to quit my job, <laughs> I opted for the online one. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is you are assigned a tutor for each uh, module that you do mm-hmm. and they provide you with online books online material and different um, links to access other say videos that they think are relevant to your studies your tutor is available for you you can have uh, calls with them or engage them on the virtual platform that's there for you so right. it's online and it was during covid so oh, yeah. it worked out pretty well so can we talk about the copy million? Why and how did you start it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when I was practicing and when I was going through that view of I really don't like what I'm doing, I didn't know who to talk to. There was nobody to guide me or assist me with just or just sit there and listen to me rant about the fact that I'm just frustrated with the job that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So when I moved into the bank as well. It was a bit confusing. I was moving from a company of like 11, 10 people to a company with 200 people. So it was just a shocking transition. Mm-hmm. Nobody was there to hold my hand and help me understand how to make myself seen, 
how to do right, what it looks like when you're performing and what that can do for you. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want somebody else to go through the same thing. So I just started blogging about my experiences and basically sharing to the world that, okay, when I did one, two, three, this is what happened. Or I noticed one, two, three in the workplace. I noticed these myths or these assumptions about being a young person in the workplace. And I think this is how you can demystify myths about you when you enter into a place. And I think the following year, there was a graduate program. Some graduates came into the company and there were always a lot of chatter about them that they weren't aware of that was being said about them just because they were young. And for me, that was like, I don't want anyone to be denied opportunities because of what people have thought or assumed about them. So I'm going to try and help people um, present themselves in a way that allows them to be recognized for their abilities and not be denied opportunities because they were young. Also, whenever I'd look for information, it would be UK-based, USA-based. So it wasn't relevant yeah. to Botswana. Yeah. So I was like, I want somebody to be able to look for information about how to survive in corporate. And you should literally be talking about what to do when someone calls you Nana. Because <laughs> you won't find that in the UK. I hate that so much. <laughs> so It's the annoying. worst. It's yeah. annoying. Like, so I wanted people to be like, um, okay, I'm going through this. But the, people are looking at the fact that... Um, my mom gave me a car to drive to work. How do I deal with that, you know? Because in Botswana, certain issues we face are more cultural than they are um, corporate. Mm. Uh, what do you do when you're managing older people and they expect you to respect them because you're younger? Yeah. You know, so those those sort of things. Uh-huh. That's why I started Corporate Millennial. And so far, I think it's contributed to helping people maneuver the corporate space. And also what I wanted to do was to help older people understand as young people, well, now I don't qualify as young, but <laughs> when I started, <laughs> no. the youth age, the youth cut of age is 35 years old. Okay, <laughs> so I wanted people to know that when I say one, two, three, I am not disrespecting you, or this is why I'm saying this. I've been taught to say out what I want, and it shouldn't be felt, it shouldn't be interpreted as me being entitled. Yeah. I was raised to be confident and to say what I mean. If you don't ask, it's a no. So me asking isn't me disrespecting, it's yes. me checking if it's a yes today yeah. or a no today. So I think that's also what I wanted to demystify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I know a lot of, I think a lot of us just, it's, it's, the, it's the same throughout yeah. different companies and we struggle with the same, same thing. Issues. It's always we're working with older people and they just want to treat us like that kids from Correct. back home. Yeah. So I think, okay, that's nice. You're always on the defense. Like, they'll yeah. say something and you're trying to fight for your life. Like, no, you can't talk to me like that. <laughs> Next thing, yeah, that's like, I can't love you. I'm here to work. Exactly. <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I know um, Corporate Millennial runs an annual mentorship program. Yeah. I know... Um, you I, I know I actually know someone who was part of the mentors. Yeah. So I think that's how I got to know about Papa oh, Melania okay. and just you in general. Okay. That's how I got introduced to you as well on Instagram. Okay. Um so I I guess you running a mentorship program via Corporate Millennial goes to show that you truly believe in the role that mentorship plays yeah. in one carving out a better career trajectory. Can you just enlighten people about the importance of mentorship in one's career because i think some people i think it's the okay nowadays a lot of people are realizing that it's really important to have a mentor but they still someone out 
bear who doesn't really who hasn't really settled into the idea that yeah. mentorship is really important yeah, yeah. okay um i think the first thing i'll say also about mentorship is that um it's very different from person to person um what a mentor looks like to me might not necessarily be a useful mentor for your career okay so i do believe in mentorship very much because there's always somebody that's gone through what you're about to go through it's just the same as an older person and a younger person in life you can learn from somebody else's mistakes so for me mentorship really is meant to have somebody that you can bounce your ideas on and if they've lived through that experience they can share with you how they maneuvered or why they failed or why they think um, it's a good idea or a bad idea yeah. but the one thing mentorship is not is that the person won't tell you isn't supposed to tell you what to do they're supposed to help you make decisions about your life they're supposed to guide you when you are making a decision even if it's a bad decision help you learn for yourself that maybe this wasn't the right decision help you pick yourself up and move on to either the next thing or do that thing in a better way so i do believe in mentorship and i think it's really important because um the world is evolving but certain things remain constant there are things that have been changed in the ways of work but um progression and promotion in your work or your career is mostly often based on hard work and being seen by the right people mm-hmm. so a mentor will be able to tell you that okay in a company like this this is what um you probably need to work on these are the areas i think you haven't been doing well in um you're too quiet in this kind of industry this is how you can make sure that your ideas are heard or i think you've been too pushy in your workspace how about you just take a step back and listen when this is happening so that you can learn from one to three or five so they're meant to really hold your hand as you walk your journey and not to have you walk in their footsteps okay yeah right um so in the same light i think something that is related to mentorship um nowadays there's a will there's a word sponsorship yes. <laughs> <laughs> so i know there's usually this quote that people use that a lot of people are over mentored and under yes. sponsored what is the difference between a mentor and a sponsor yeah. and what do you think also about um sponsorship and the importance of one having a sponsor mm-hmm. in their career journey okay yeah. i'll give an example with corporate millennial or not industry specific we mentor okay. based on the fact that it's corporate mm-hmm. and these are special or not special skills these are basic skills or key things that you need to know when you're in corporate space okay before you proceed can I okay. chip yeah. in um just to clarify do you is it mentorship for people who are already in corporate or people or let's say recent school, graduates yeah. it's for both so oh, okay. it's for final year students most okay. of the time because okay. it's more um relevant graduates and early professionals okay so when we group people we look at that to oh. say okay these ones are in varsity or these ones are already working So just to make sure that you're not um being told things that you probably already know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there's that aspect. So it not being industry specific already says there's possibility that I can mentor you well, but I won't be able to influence you getting a job or you being promoted because say you are in health in the health space and I'm a lawyer. 
I won't be able. Sponsorship is me helping you progress, me mentioning your name um, to another employer to say, oh, you're looking for somebody to do one, two, three, four, five. I know that this is what she does. Um, you should give her a shot if she applies for this role that can be. So this person already knows your name. Mm-hmm. When you apply for that job, they consider you, they shortlist you, and you can get the interview probably mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. me having said your name in that room. Okay. Now, when I'm not in this industry, it's unlikely that I can be your sponsor. Yeah. It's possible because industries can merge yeah, at, yeah. at some point, but most of the time your sponsor is somebody that you've worked with that you probably aren't being mentored by them, but they value your work, they've seen your work, and they would vouch for you to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So it can be in the same company that you work in. It can be in a company you used to work in. Because as we know, Ports, for example, is really small. Yeah. My uncle is your uncle's friend. My brother works with your brother. Or my mentor works with your sponsor. Yeah. Your mentor works with your sponsor. Yeah. Your mentor is looking for, not even your mentor, somebody's looking for a grad, somebody for a graduate program. Your mentor and your sponsor are saying, they're like, oh, I know that they're And then your sponsor says, actually, yes, I also know her and she could do this really well. Mm-hmm. Your mentor has probably never seen you in action, but they know that you are growing and you're trying to better yourself. Mm-hmm. But your sponsor has often seen you in action and knows you can do the job well. People sometimes confuse it with also me. I was going to get to that. Um, <laughs> I can know you, but if I don't know how good you are at the job, yeah. you won't just get the job. You yeah, have to earn true. it. Yeah. There's processes in companies and those are very strict. And I always tell people that even if you think this job has been curated for Tsaone and you know you qualify for it, apply. Go and interview. And if you ace the interview, they will not... If you do better than Tsaone, they will not hire Tsaone just because somebody said Tsaone should get this job. Mm -hmm. There's processes. Not only one person interviews... Not only one person shortlists, not only one person selects the final person. All right. So sponsorship is someone saying your name in a room that allows you to get a promotion or a bonus yeah. or a new job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I guess that's that's a person who really has to have seen you in action and yeah. know that Zaone is very good at yeah. this job and she has these particular skills that she can really benefit out of. Correct. So who would you say, I th- I think in the beginning, if I remember well, you said your mom has always been pro-education and yeah. she's the one who's really pushed you to get into this line of joy. And yeah. so then I guess she's one of the people yeah. who you look up to. Yeah. Um. So in addition to your mom, do you have anyone who has influenced your career in that way? I'm very sketchy with saying someone has influenced my career but i I get the question so what what i normally do is i look at pockets of like for example i look up to oprah but she's Mm -hmm. in like a totally different oh yeah compared to what i do Mm -hmm. because she's somebody that believed in something and went for it and is doing it well Mm -hmm. so i have pieces of people that i look up to Mm -hmm. um but in terms of influencing my career it's more a role I was influenced by a role. Um seeing CEOs in action for me oh. inspires me. So I've always said I want to be a CEO lawyer. Mm-hmm. There aren't enough lawyer CEOs out oh. there. So 
I've looked at a number of CEOs in this country and abroad, and a collective of that has influenced and shaped me to be who I am today. Okay. But there isn't like a specific person that I'd say I, I look up to mm-hmm. outside of my mom. All right. Yeah. What would you say was the highlight of your career? Hmm. I think it would be my current role now. I applied for this job in 2019. And I knew I didn't qualify for it, <laughs> but I really wanted it. Okay. And I wasn't even called for an interview. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I even told my boss this, but anyway. And then I got it um in twenty twenty one. Oh. Um, and the reason being, it had it ticked all the boxes of what I wanted to do, and it was aligned with my masters. So it was just happening at the right time. So that's been the highlight of my career, getting this current job that I'm doing now. Um, even when I did get it now, I wasn't exactly fully qualified for it. I still had a few things that were missing, which I was glad that um, the company was willing to help me grow in. Mm-hmm. So that's really been the highlight of my career because I've gotten to work with companies that I wanted to work for, um, like international organizations and doing certain deals of high value millions and billions of dollars. So it's it's Can't literally know. been <laughs> the <laughs> highlight of my career. And then getting an employee of the employee of the year award after doing the job for like a year and a few months. Oh yeah, I so I remember that. Yeah, oh, so that's that's very nice. literally it's very recent I know, but yeah. that's that's been the highlight. Okay. Then I guess you're really enjoying it. I it's am. really it's really I guess you're blessed because it's very rare to hear someone say that they enjoy their work, especially in this country. I mean, there's some things of my job that I don't like, but <laughs> it comes. It can, it's, it's yeah. always, it can't all be good. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> so, but yeah, thank you. I am. I do consider it a blessing indeed. Okay. What is one mistake that you've done in your career, and how did you move past it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excuse me. I think one of the mistakes I've made um, is sometimes leaving too soon. I think I get bored quickly. And um, I think the one job that I left early um, was in Barclays, I think, after I'd moved into the legal department. I think there was a, a few things I could have learned before I jumped ship. Um, but what I then did after that was realize that I need to stay until I know I've learned or achieved everything that I wanted to achieve. Set targets in the workspace to say, this, these are the things I want to learn. And after I've learned them, I want to be able to apply them um, to the best of my abilities before either I change my job or change a position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think after that, I started being very intentional about when I leave, what I leave for and mm-hmm. why I stay. I'm not just leaving for the next role because they offer better yeah. money. Great. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so one other thing that I really like about you, that's why I followed you on both your personal and business page. <laughs> so I love that you're very, you're free-spirited. I think the first, I've actually seen you in person mm-hmm. at Rhapsody's and you were on the dance floor. So I think that's one thing that I really like about you. Yeah. I like that you're very free spirited and one thing about you, you'll dance. Girl. You will wear shorts. <laughs> Definitely. So I want to and I know like earlier we spoke about how people perceive you and how it can sort of limit you, especially Indeed. in our country. Mm-hmm. So I can you just how do you 
how do you just get into that and not be bothered about what another person is going to say when you yeah. get to the office on Monday to yeah. say, I can't take instructions from you. Actually, you're yeah. always on the dance floor. <laughs> you always, you look yeah. happy. Plus you look young as well. Yeah. Like how do you deal with that? I think one of the things about that is that it never stops. And sometimes you just have to be like, ah, it's whatever. But I wasn't always this free when I was building myself mm -hmm. because I knew the impact it could have, the negative impact it could have. Um, I did have fun back then, but I was a bit particular about where I go or who, I'm, who sees me when I'm with my friends being myself because I wanted to build my brand and I wanted to build that, to gain that respect from people such that when they see me during the weekend, it doesn't take away the excellent work that I did during the week. Mm -hmm. So I had to make sure that I do deliver. Mm -hmm. I do put in the work and my work speaks for itself first and foremost before everything. Such that should you start bringing up my weekend, somebody else will be like, ah, but why are you bothered about what Sun is doing on Saturday night when she works Monday to Friday? And I think the other thing is just being, your, being myself helps me enjoy what I do more. Because I commit my whole week, Monday to Friday, long hours, and I just get two days to be myself. And I, if I can't be myself those two days, then what is it all for, you know? Um, and I also think it's important to set boundaries. People will try and bring the weekend into the workplace. And it's how you respond that's going to determine how they start treating you going forward. Okay. If someone comes in the office and they're trying to talk about the weekend, you can just quickly tell them, look, I'm not here to talk about that. Can mm. we focus on what we're here to do today? They'll think you're being a I bad mean, person yeah. or you're being snobbish and whatever, but the more you build boundaries, the more you establish boundaries, people will say, that, oh, this person is actually like this during the week because they know it's serious and that childish when it's their free time because it's actually their free time. Yeah. And people used to think they could just say anything to my face because I'm a nice person. Mm -hmm. But you learn to tell people off in a nice, gentle way, then they start seeing that, ah, but you know, Tana is really like, yeah. she can have fun and she can actually be serious. Such that even if I'm being playful in the office, they still know that when it's time to do the work, I'll do the work. So you have to do the work at the end of the day. Right. And even when I'm doing the work now, there's yeah. few people who are like, ah, that's your workmate. She doesn't, and it's like, yeah, that's my, people be like, yeah, that's my lawyer. He's, he's a cool lawyer. So some people now embrace it and they're like, oh. okay. Okay. Yeah. So I can't play hand. What girl? <laughs> what are we working for? <laughs> if we can't play. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So you you sound so confident. You're so well well spoken, and it's always so we we from a distance. That's what people say, right? Yeah. But most people has have come for to say I sound so confident. I look so confident, but sometimes I have imposter syndrome. So I'm yeah. wondering, do you have some imposter syndrome? I do. I get imposter syndrome and I'm a nerve wreck. Like, I get so nervous. Uh, but somehow God loves me. And when I'm nervous, you can't really tell. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> when I'm nervous, I sweat oh. my armpits. Oh. And I don't sweat normally. Oh, okay. But when I'm feeling nervous, mm -hmm. I start sweating. Mm -hmm. So that's why I like dark colors at the office. Because... If I'm doing something and I'm sweating buckets, I don't need anybody to see that. <laughs> I sweat a lot before an interview. 
and the first few words i'm always shivering until i tell the interview panel that i'm a bit nervous my please drink some water mm -hmm. and then after i drink the water i'm fine oh, okay. so i always have to vocalize the fact that i'm feeling nervous mm -hmm. and sometimes you'll hear in my voice i'll start shaking a little bit but after a few sentences it just goes straight and it's i'm back at it and then imposter syndrome i think i feel like an imposter every day <laughs> Um, even when I'm doing work, sometimes when I finish doing it, I'm like, I, I, people are really seriously depending on me for this thing. Uh, do they know oh, who wow. I am? Like, this is not it. Like, I, I get so worried sometimes and I will recheck my work so many times. So I think it's terrible. Mm -hmm. But the only way I get over that is to remind myself that you didn't get here through like a window or the back door. Mm. Um, you obviously won't know everything and when you don't know ask for help and for me it's if you're always comfortable and you don't feel like an imposter someday then you've outgrown whatever it is you're doing mm -hmm. imposter syndrome for me says to me you're working outside of your comfort zone and you're obviously doubting yourself a bit but after today tomorrow you might feel a bit better about this type of thing you're doing and then the next day it'll be something else and you'll obviously feel like a scam and it's okay, but what you do when you're feeling like that is what will determine whether you get over it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's asking for help, asking for somebody else to have a look at my work, or just reminding myself that you actually belong here. And if you don't know how to do this, probably somebody else also is sweating buckets, hoping you know what you're doing. Yeah. I always tell my friends, the truth is nobody knows what, what, what they're doing. None of us have lived this life before. What are you doing? We're all winging it, so... <laughs> If I'm winging it, you're also winging it. But yeah, I do get nervous okay. a lot. Alright. So you just, so you just meditate. I would say yeah. meditate almost every day. Yeah. Do you have like a morning routine that you follow, or you just winging things? I don't really have a routine. Well, I have a routine, but it's not about um the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So I there's a I I like structure in how I do my work. And if there's something that I need to do that obviously is making me feel like an imposter, I want to give it um, secluded time in my day. So I do things that make me feel nervous at a point where I know I'm fully alert mm -hmm. and able to concentrate. And I think in my space, it's always important to remember that you don't know everything. Or even if you've done something before, you always have to rebun it and make sure that if you made a mistake the last time and nobody saw it, you're not repeating it tomorrow. So I never assume that I'm good at something. I'm always reading and making sure that I understand things better. And for me, that then helps me um, deal with the imposter syndrome a bit better. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, what is one big misconception about ladies in the legal space? Or lawyers in general? Yeah. yeah. Um, apparently, we're too soft for practice. For example, people feel like you have to be ruthless and... You have to, you know, it needs you to be hard hitting and women are soft, but that's actually not true. Most of the women lawyers I know, I know are very like, they're sharper than some of the gents. Mm -hmm. And another misconception, I wouldn't say it's a misconception, but it's a bias because obviously women um, will be childbearing at a certain point. Yeah. Um, people always feel like they're going to drop the ball in and this is not just for lawyers. I think it's corporate as a whole or working as a whole. So people always give the men more opportunities because they feel like they'll be there for a consistent 
or longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, what are some of the books that you feel ladies in corporate must read? Mm. My favorite is Lean In. Always. Always. <laughs> um, I think I read it one on ones because it just literally echoes the things that we need to constantly do. Yeah, we need yeah, to yeah. put our foot out. We need to put our hands up. We need to sit at the table and not feel like we're being done a favor. Mm-hmm. You also deserve a seat at that table. I'm actually reading another book now. It's called Unreasonable Success and How to Achieve It. Okay. Um, it gives examples using different types of people. Old, new, um, people like Jeff Bezos, mm. people like um, Einstein. It literally gives you a different perspective about what success looks like for different people and why you should aim for what people would deem unreasonable success. So okay. I'll check it out. Okay. I think there's there's another one, another one which is almost similar to Lean In. I've actually I I started reading it but I stopped along the way because it's more practical. It needs you to do yeah. the work along the way. So I didn't have time but I want to read it as well. It's called Nice Girls Don't Get I'm the like, Office. That's gonna, the next book I was gonna yes, mention. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's it's really good as yeah. well, and uh, I think this one, yeah, this one, my life in full. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm almost halfway through, but I think from from the onset, she just mentions that it's it's a bit different from Bolin in. Mm. Um, I think it's similar to the one you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like it just, she just defines her success a lot yeah. from a young age up to where she wasn't just. Uh, totally something totally different, but it's inspiring as well. So I yeah. think people should should read it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I like the nice girls don't get the corner office because, um, the truth is men say what they're thinking and it's okay, but the moment the woman says exactly what she's thinking, she's called rude, she's called bossy, she's called yeah. But at the end of the day, you have to find the balance as to how you can assert yourself without sounding rude mm. or without being rude actually sounding rude is different from actually being rude people can perceive whatever you say a different way but if you're saying what needs to be said it's very important that you say it so what advice would you give to the 16 year old self mm. okay 16 i was i think in form five and i wasn't the most popular girl I was a very tiny boy looking girl. <laughs> so I think I bloomed late, if I can call it that. Mm-hmm. And it always used to bother me. You know, when you're a teenager, you also want to look like the other pretty girls in the school. Yeah. And you want to experiment, but you have this strict mother that's just keeping you in the house and not letting you breathe in the direction of movies or sleepovers. <laughs> so what I tell my 16-year-old self is that um, your mom knows what's good for you. Um, keep your head up and keep pushing because it all works out in the end. Okay. That is very profound. And lastly, what would you say to an aspiring corporate lawyer, either a final graduate or someone studying out at university or someone about to complete high school or just someone... Maybe who is who's just starting out in corporate? Let me just say that. What yeah. advice would you leave them with? Okay. I would say to them, think big. Botswana is smaller than 
what we think it is there aren't as many opportunities as we would like for them to be but there is ample opportunity outside the borders of this country there's better market that we can work in which will help us grow and come back and improve our market or even help us put Botswana in the world map when it comes to financial and capital markets business corporate and all that so i would say to them as you start your journey don't just think you want to get a corporate job in Botswana remember that you are an international citizen and find a way to spread your wings even outside of this country but i feel like you're speaking to me as well oh there we go so, <laughs> so thank you very much right. um where can listeners check out corporate millennial and all our offerings and the personal page for some who want to who found you interesting and want to follow you on personal pages okay i always forget my handles but for corporate millennial um we have accounts on instagram tiktok facebook and twitter we're more active on Instagram and TikTok most of the time. Oh, and LinkedIn. We're more active on LinkedIn for Corporate Millennial. The handle is corporate.millennial. Okay. Corporate.millennial. Yeah. And then my personal Instagram, TikTok is Bako underscore baby. Um, yeah. I have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is Tawne. baby. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Um. There you have it. Um. Thank you so much for honoring the invitation. It's been such a wonderful time. I personally, personally, I learned so much from you. you. I've been dying to meet you, and I'm so happy <laughs> that I finally met you. And I'm, I'm sure someone out there is going to be inspired by this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. For- Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you learn a lot from this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in don't forget to follow our pages on twitter she for hair bw that's on instagram as well thank you so much until next time Thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you are inspired by today's conversation. If you enjoyed the conversation, please share with your friends and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SheForHairBW. Until next time, bye.